Welcome to the Sober Nation FM podcast, where we're putting recovery on the map. I'm your host, Jonathan Sylvester. This show is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Do you want to take your recovery to the next level? Do you want more support, community, and fellowship? Sobriety Engine is an incredible community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. You can get a ton of great tips, resources, and guidance to help you succeed in recovery and in life. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. Sober Nation FM is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle all while supporting your sobriety, then you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave a review. Nation, let's hop right into today's episode. Today, I'll be speaking with sober yogi, Cole Chance. Thanks for coming on the show, Cole. Yeah, happy to be here. So glad to have you. So before we hop in and we talk about yoga and your traveling and your retreats and everything you've been up to these days, I'd really like for you to share a little bit about what things were like before you got sober and how you actually found recovery. Um, oh, boy. Things were, um, things were not good. Things were quite challenging. I had a long road. I started, um, using and drinking really young, about 13. So I had a pretty solid from then until 29, quite, um, quite solid, um, addiction going on. Okay. I, traveled a lot in the last in the states in the last um, several years i was i was definitely like a moving away from the situation getting away getting away getting away so i was always moving around trying to because it was this place it was this person it was this this job it was you know whatever it was not you i was um yeah trying to get away from so really running towards um or away from lots of things under the guise of that i was seeking freedom so I say often that, you know, I came, I feel like I like came out of my mother looking for freedom and I looked at it, looked for it in so many different ways. And, um, during that point in my life, I was looking for it, um, yeah, through drugs and alcohol, which I feel like I found in the beginning. And that's what, um, made me keep coming back. And then in the end, you know, that medicine that it felt like it provided me this, this medicinal freedom and connection that I felt like it provided me in the beginning, um, just turned into a poison. Yeah. Well, I I get that. And yeah. So, and, and I do want to dive in a little more, you know, I always like to concentrate on, on the solutions, so to speak more so than, uh, you know, what things used to be like, but I I do know one, uh, want to know more about your story and I'm sure our our listeners and watchers do too. So I am curious, you know, you said that it was a, a pretty solid stretch of addiction. I was definitely one of those people, like I was not there were maybe a few days where like I had to stay sober for a certain period of time. And that was about it. Like I hear about people having, you know, a month or weeks or something. And that, that never happened with me. Is that kind of where, where you were at with all of it? Yeah, no, I, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have days off unless I was in treatment, which I went to about six treatments and I went to many detoxes and many hospitals. So unless somebody it was like an induced uh, detox or induced not using yeah i was um i was never sober 
And it's really interesting to think about now, like I never was sober from morning till night. I mean, I, I, when I woke up, I would start drinking. Yeah. So I always had something in my system hmm. and that was my normal. And it's so interesting how adaptive that we are as humans, that that was my normal and reality was terrifying. And so, yeah, it's just really fascinating. Yeah, I get that. Well, so, and uh, I do want to ask, like, what was your, you know, people phrase it differently, but what was your turning point or like your rock bottom? Like, where did things have to go or, or how far did you have to get into all of this uh, for you to say like, okay, enough is enough, or maybe you were forced into sobriety to a degree. What actually happened? Um, well, in the end, you know, people ask the question, like, you know, what was your rock bottom? And I'm mm -hmm. like, oh man, I had many, I had many, mm -hmm. like there were so many points that it should have been like, this is it. Mm -hmm. And I don't even know if the last one was really the worst. It was just that it was the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so in the end though, I had, I was primarily an alcoholic, the morning till night alcoholic, but then anything that was around, I, I completely abused. But in the end, I started um, injecting heroin and I wound up overdosing on um, a mix of like heroin and cocaine. And that did it like that. Coming out of that and realizing it's like I had like a, a bird's eye view of the scene of me and like a flashback of like all of the prior years. And it's like, I realized I, I'm not doing this to suffer. Like I, I didn't start this to suffer. Mm. I, I started this because it made me feel big. It made me feel more like me. It made me feel connected. I felt freedom in it. And it's like, I had this tiny little snapshot of like, this is never gonna work. Like this is, is never gonna, never gonna work. And, you know, actually I had been told years before in a treatment center in a really casual conversation with this, with this woman that I had asked her, um, how do you do it? Like I couldn't for the life of me figure out why or how someone would go about getting sober. Right. And that came into me. I never wanted to get sober. I wanted to do it right. So that's the mentality I was working mm -hmm. with. But something that she told me came into my head that day, whenever I was coming out, whenever I was uh, awakening from that overdose. And what she had said is that you could be high or you could be happy. And one day you'll realize that they're not ever going to go together. Wow. And it's like that resonated. I was like, I'm trying to make this go together like it used to. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to, I'm going to die doing it. And that is not what I signed up for. Like the dying part. I was wanting to, I was wanting to have fun. I was wanting to, to, to find freedom and wouldn't, didn't sign up to die. And that in the end was, uh, what shifted. Wow. That's, that's pretty awesome that, you know, we talk about like a seed being planted and that conversation from so long before just a casual conversation is what popped into your head. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I think that says a lot about, you know, people carrying the message of recovery, you know, because it was like just that one conversation is really what resonated with you. Yeah. And you know, it wasn't the treatment centers. It wasn't, I, I think she was maybe some tech. I don't know. It was a casual conversation underneath the tree hmm. of someone that I, I can't even picture her face. Like wow. it was just something that, that stuck. I hadn't thought about it since. And I thought about it that day. And so it is so important that we're able to share. And I think that in society, we have such a, such a thing as like, we want to fix 
something. We want to do it right. We want to do something and we want to see a solution. Like it's, right. it, we want to turn A into B. Yeah. And in terms of recovery and sharing the message, it's like you just share and you don't need to expect anything back. You just share your experience. You share your hope. You share what you can. And it just, it ripples out and it doesn't necessarily going to give you back a return, but you don't know what that looks like in the future to other people. I wish I could find that woman. She probably has no idea that she had such a big part in shifting my trajectory. Yeah, no, that's, that's really awesome. Well, so now you, you overdosed, did you go back to treatment? How did you actually get like, what, what did starting the recovery process look like? I didn't go back to treatment. One of the things that had happened is that I had kind of been trying to get back into a treatment and I actually couldn't get anyone to take me. I was in Austin and uh, even the state funded places, uh, they were like, essentially like, we're not going to keep bringing you back into rehab. Hmm. Um, my family wouldn't give me any more money. They'd been sending me to treatment centers all over. Um, it's like everyone I had, I had just checked myself twice out of the detox local detox center. Like no one would take me back. Okay. Yeah. Except a sober living place that I lived in, um, that I had been kicked out of like a month prior. I called them back. I didn't have any money. And it was the first time that I really reached out for help, like legitimately, um, by myself. Like I okay. wasn't pushed into it. And I called right. this place back and I said, do you have a bed? I'm done. And uh, I left in quite uh, colorful flames um, prior and for no reason that they needed to, they let me back in um, at the, you know, the risk of everyone else that was staying there and everything. They let me back in. They reserved one bed. There's one sober living place in all of Austin, Texas, that is high risk, meaning that you don't have to come from treatment. Like okay. they'll take you off the street with only yeah. like 24 hours. There was one place that would do that. And one bed is scholarship and they gave it back to me and they really shouldn't have, you know, yeah. like in terms of looking at things and they did. And they told me to like come in on a Wednesday and it was like Sunday night. And I was like, Oh, That's oh man. Mm -hmm. And I showed up on Tuesday night with my bag and I said, I'll sleep on your couch. And they were like, come in. Wow. It's like the weight of the world fell off of me mm. when I was able to walk in there and the safety that that felt. Cause like just being outside of that, like just like walking down the street, it's like, Oh my gosh, this is terrifying. Yeah. And then to be able to walk into a space where you know that people understand. So from there, um, I was, I was doing meetings. I was, uh, really reliant on, um, therapy um, and my yoga practice, which yeah. is something that I had tasted bits of prior, okay. but that I knew was going to be a piece whenever I could like sober up enough to do it. Like I knew there was something there for me, but I wasn't really able to go full on. And then once I was in the sober living place, um, I went, I went full on and I just came, came back to my mat every day. Awesome. Well. Yeah. Well, and I want definitely want to get into the yoga here in a second, but I do want to ask, and I, I like asking our guests this, uh, you know, especially for the new people that might be listening. And I always find it interesting as well. What, what would you say was the, the biggest thing that you struggled with early on in sobriety? Hmm. The biggest thing that I struggled with, there's a couple things. A big thing for me was like the owning of it. Okay. Yeah. I was really shameful 
I didn't want to tell anybody. So often I would relapse. Like, I mean, I never really had in very much sobriety at all. Like, yeah. but like, I would say, I'm not going to drink tonight. And then someone would say, do you want to drink? And I'd be like, okay. <laughs> like, cause I didn't want to say, I don't drink. Like for mm -hmm. me, those words, like they couldn't formulate in my mouth and exit. So there was something, I had this really big shame against that. So like learning how to own it, learning how to be like, I can do anything. I just can't do this one thing. Like yeah. there's just one thing that I'm not going to do. And I'm completely you know, free to do everything. Some reason it was such a stain. So learning to be able to speak about it and own it in terms of like casually of like, this is me, this is this thing that I have and this thing that I don't do anymore because it, it allows me to do all the other things rather than being in shame around it, I think was a big one. Okay. Okay. So any, I think you said there were a couple of things. So anything else that you feel like you kind of had a tough time with early on in, in your journey into this deal or as you got rolling? I, I feel very lucky in terms of the, um, in terms of the craving, I, I don't know how, because this is the first time that I didn't medically detox. Normally I always had to medically detox because okay. I would have seizures and I was very, very far in it. And after I got myself detox, which was really, really challenging in mm -hmm. the sober house, but it's almost like it was, I kind of blacked it out or something. I don't, I know it was hard, but it's like hard to remember as well. But I remember not thinking that I was going to have, it's like the, the, the thickness of the craving seemed to, to dissolve way more than it ever had prior. Yeah. I, I really don't know what that was about. I really okay. don't know what that was about. Yeah, no, I, I get that 100%. I think, you know, I was just thinking that when you said, you know, when you walked in the door of the sober living place, like it just felt like you felt safe you felt like you were in the right place. Like this weight came off of your shoulders. That's how I felt when I walked into, you know, into treatment. And, mm. um, I, I don't even, I don't even think I knew that like, it was like, okay, I don't know if this is the right place, but it feels like the right place right now, at least. And, mm. um, and I think that, yeah, I can't really explain the craving not being there either. I, I do know that in large part, I think it was because to some degree I made a decision like, okay, I'm going to give this a real effort. And, and mm -hmm. before it was just like, I'm in pain. Like, I just need like, I just need a break basically, you know? Same, exactly the same. Yeah. So I just um, wanted to feel better for a little bit and then I was going to try it again. Right. Yeah, exactly. We're going to figure out the, the perfect formula of, of heroin and drinking or, or whatever our drug of choice was and it'll all balance out. But yeah, it, it doesn't, doesn't work like that in the end. I like how you said and, and how that lady was sharing you know, that is stuck in, in your mind that you can either be happy or you can get high. Like the two just don't, don't mix. It's not, it's not going to end up that way. Like that's just the bottom line. I think that's very true. So I want to, I want to come back around to the yoga. So you had been introduced to yoga before and, and I can understand that. Um, and I've talked to people about this actually, that and I'm sure we'll, we'll talk a little bit more and I'll learn some more about yoga here because I'm not an expert by any means, but that, that like the real yoga practice and like the, the spiritual aspect and, and everything that goes into it, not just like, I'm 
don't hate me for this, the stretching that, that we do yeah. and the different poses and stuff like that, that there's a lot more to it than that. And, and I, I can see how it would be a struggle to, to get really involved in it, um, especially when we're like deep in, in addiction. So how, how did you kind of circle back around to this? Like what, what happened? Well, I took my first yoga class at a treatment center. Okay. So same. Yes. Yay for treatment centers, yeah. but, uh, you know, introducing us. Yeah. And uh, I remember, I clearly remember being like, if I ever get sober, which mm. I'm not going to, like I had both of those thoughts, like my devil, yeah. my angel, if I ever do, but I'm not, yeah. then I'm going to check this yoga thing out. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so it was kind of in the back of my mind. Um, there's something about the the, something that really resonated with me is like whenever, especially whenever I first took the yoga class, whenever I was first in this treatment center with yoga is I was like, I was just a hot mess as you are when you go into to treatment. But like even being like, touch your right, your right hand to your left foot. I was like, whoa, <laughs> like there was this like connection that had been gone. So there was something about the physicality of it, okay. the breath, which is something that I had never really thought about. I'd never really thought about thinking about my breath. Mm. And about how this, how that can, you know, affect the body, you know, we're sensation addicts, among other things. So feeling, starting to feel some sensations going on was really like, oh, like there's things happening inside my body without me putting things in my body was interesting. And, um, and then also for me, I spoke the language of physical, as I was younger, I always played sports. I was very, very athletic. So there's something about my body remembering the endorphins that it got, those feel good things. So that kind of came back up as well. But a big part of it, so that's just the physical component, but such a yeah. big part of it was the self-inquiry. Hmm. So whenever like she would she would talk about different yoga concepts and like everything was like zhu, 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 zhu. like uh, the question she would ask, the self-inquiry, bringing up you know, the way that we are with ourselves, the way that we are with the world. And, so can, can you and, share an example of, of what you're talking about? Like one of the questions that might've been asked or might be asked now, or that you might ask one of your classes? Well, maybe it would be like, um, like, how, how do you, how are you with yourself? Like, how do you talk to yourself on a day to day? Like, what's the relationship that, that you have with the self? What are the quality of the tone of voice that, Man, you know, that's a good question. Or how, you know, how do you, what, what does freedom mean to you? Like what, what, what does that, what does, um, how do you, how do you value? Uh, there's just so much. If you're looking more like at, at yoga, like concepts, um, the yamas and the niyamas are kind of like observances. Oh, oh, probably this is probably bastardizing it, but there's, there's 10 of them. So they're kind of like the yoga 10 commandments. I say okay. the yoga uh, invitations and it's like um, talking about uh, compassion hmm. and then truthfulness. Like, are you telling the truth? Are you honest to yourself? Like how honest are you? Like, what are you hiding from? What you, emotion are you not willing to feel? You know, what are you, there's just so much. And so all of these, they go on and on okay. and they, they deal with how you are with yourself and how you are in the world. And that's just a small little component, wow. something that, that, that would be more kind of, um, that I probably would have been asked during the beginning days. That okay. was like, whoa, 
So it's yeah. a big self inquiry and it has a lot of similarities to like the 12 steps. And one thing is that I was always really resistant to the 12 steps, really resistant to the 12 steps. And this is just an innate rebel in me. I just wasn't going to listen yeah, to authority. Yeah. But it. it's the same. It's the same thing. It's really interesting. Like the, the, the yoga component, like almost mirrors uh, the 12 steps in so many ways as lots of different uh, philosophies and theories kind of mirror each other. So eventually I was able to digest the 12 steps more using like a yoga language. So it's okay. like that language let me in. That's cool. When the 12 step language, I couldn't like butting my head against the door. Right. Even though it was really the same thing, I was able to like come in that way. Yeah. I mean, it does sound like a lot of the you know, when we're talking about, uh, you know, the principles of a 12 step program or just some of the things that we talk about, you know, in terms of just doing what we need to do in recovery, even if it's just doing the next right thing, so to speak, yeah. uh, sounds like there's a, a lot that's aligned there, uh, between the two, like in, in regards to those principles. So I, I want to ask, um, because I, I think I had some, some misconceptions about yoga and maybe I still do. Like I said, I'm, I'm no expert by any means. That's why you're here to answer all the questions. So, <laughs> so what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions about yoga are, and like maybe some of the biggest, uh, the biggest barriers uh, be between people and and trying yoga or like getting involved in yoga? Like, what what have you seen? Um, lots of things. And a lot of it is due to the marketing of yoga. So I get that. Uh, a lot of it is that it's for females, that it's yeah. for especially um, white in shape females in bikinis somehow. <laughs> right, right, and, right. Um, so it's really, um, there's been a bubble created due to the marketing of it, due to the fact that it, it it's a product. It makes a lot of money over here. Mm. So I teach online and I've taught online for like five years. So okay. I get people message from all over the world. It's, it's been really, it's, it's really amazing. I never planned on doing it this way, but I've really created this kind of on this global community. And one of the biggest things that I get from people whenever they just are reaching out to share is that they say that they don't feel comfortable at a yoga class because they don't feel like they fit in, hmm. which is really a human issue is like the feeling of not not feeling like we fit the feeling yeah. of not being accepted and all of us can relate to that in some aspect some place that we don't fit so it's really sad to hear that that ha happens so much in the yoga community yeah um which should be a place of acceptance and uh you know it happens in 12-step rooms too people sure. thinking that they're not alcoholic enough or that they're not you know whatever enough that they don't that they don't fit so it's it's the visage that we put up um, that makes people uh, nervous. So so that misconception, and of course there are studios that you're going to go in and everyone's going to be wearing you know a hundred dollar yoga pants and right rocking the, the Lululemon, sweaty and yeah you know beautiful and you know all of that. And then there's some there's just so many different styles of yoga and it's just about finding the right one. Just like, it's like finding the right meeting or it's finding the right, finding the right fit. Okay. Uh, a couple other misconceptions are that, um, um, one, there is like the male thing. I we can, we'll never get my father to do yoga. Oh my gosh. If I could ever get him to do yoga yeah. or just stretch, just stretch down. Right. Right. Yeah. 
um, or that you have to be flexible. There's this meme that I saw the other day that says like, uh, you, it's like saying you're too dirty to take a bath. Like if you're saying you're not flexible enough to do yoga, right? Cause right. that's just one component. The physical aspect is just one component. It's just another way to get into, um, to get into creating a relationship with yourself. Like, how do I talk to myself whenever my body is learning new things? Like whenever I'm challenged and I'm doing something that's hard, how do I talk to myself? Like, yeah. how am I, how am I speaking to myself or what happens when my body moves quickly? Where does my mind go? What happens when my body moves really slow? Where does my mind go? Um, it's kind of the mat is a metaphor for lots of things on the mat, off the mat. Some of the other things, a lot of people in, you know, certain parts of the world, there were certain mindsets or certain like cultural um, mindsets think that it's tied to religion, um, which I guess that it can be, it could be in certain ways, but definitely, um, yeah, definitely not the way that we practice it here. Sure. Um, those are some of the biggest, those are some of the biggest ones that I think. Okay. Yeah. Those are the, some of the ones I, th I, I really, uh, I think it's funny that you said, you know, it's not for guys right off the bat because, um, you know, I think that's, even though, uh, again, like when I went into treatment, like at this point I was like, okay, I'm just going to be, just tell me what to do. You know, like, I'm going to stop acting like I know everything. Like, I don't know anything at this point. Like, my life mm -hmm. has been, I've run my life into the ground, you know. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think I kind of went into it thinking, like, okay, like, you know, this is for this is for chicks, basically. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, I didn't go the yoga route, but, like, I'm a fitness and nutrition coach. So, I get a lot of, of what you're saying, um, you know, especially about, like, the I need to be flexible to try it. Because it's almost like when someone says, well, I need to get in shape first before I go to the gym, right? I need yeah. to work. I need to work my way. Up. I need to, you know, be able to do X, Y, Z before I get in the gym. Um, I really, and, and I don't do it enough. I really love yoga. I think for guys, like one of the things that, because like the warm up that I have people do, for instance, like, uh, you know, there's definitely some, some yoga slash kind of mobility poses like a cat cow and different things like that like things i do every day and you know some guys will be a little like adverse to this i'm like dude you know power lifters that literally lift hundreds and sometimes thousands of pounds are doing these same movements like on a daily basis you know so definitely not just for women and and i get what you're saying about like you do see a lot of studios that are in really upscale areas and, um, but I think it, it is one of those things it, it it's so, it really is an open thing, just like recovery. Like everyone is from what I see, everyone's welcome. And there are a lot of different types of yoga and, and so many different types of people, uh, types of people involved in it. So l let's assume that there's someone listening right now and maybe that, you know, they're thinking some of these same things that, that you kind of shared about the misconceptions. Um, and maybe they've thought about giving yoga a try or, or we're kind of talking them into it a little bit right now what you know and they haven't tried it out yet like what would you say to them well this is going to sound like a plug but plug it come on <laughs> i do have you know i've been teaching online for yeah about five years i actually have hundreds of videos online i've, so seen, it's a really I've seen a bunch easy, on youtube yeah so it's, yeah. it's a really easy to begin to just to kind of decipher it if you're too nervous to go to a class. Okay. Like if you're just wanting to check it out a little bit, mm -hmm. I would look up 
just beginner's yoga, gentle yoga, just some of, and just, just explore. And there's lots of it online. It doesn't have to be mine, but finding someone that you resonate with is really important. Um, finding the teacher that you resonate with, but then going, finding a local studio is so important. Like I think that at home yoga, it's great. You can do it on your own time, but it's about finding the community. There's so much juice there and there's so much, um, so much that you can get from, um, being in uh, community spaces that I think is really, is really beautiful. But it is really is finding someone that you resonate with and trying to be cautious of generalizing. Um, like if you take one class with somebody to not generalize the whole of yoga, because we're all just interpreting it out of our own filter. So the way that I teach will be completely different from the way that somebody else teaches. So you can find some that's more spiritual based, or you can okay. find some that's more, um, more physical based or more softer or more strengthening or more there, there's so much and you can it's a beautiful tool to weave into your recovery practice and um yeah i mean i really i it's it's really shaped and molded um and had a big part in saving my life i really really believe that's awesome yeah and i love how you talked about i think the the biggest thing i connected with it was the moving around, it was the endorphins, um, but the breathing, like I, I realized for the first time, I was such a shallow breather. Mm. And like, I had never become aware of my breathing. Like I just, it was just like these short little breaths. And, you know, when I actually took the time, like when I, when I was aware of it, and, um, and I guess, uh, I mean, I don't want to speak out of turn, but I guess a lot of yoga is about like being present, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, and I think that, that, that really helped kind of like ground me. And I wasn't thinking about a lot of the other stuff going on in the world. And I was really just focused on my breathing. I was like, wow, this feels really different and good and, mm -hmm. and relaxing. And I think one of the realizations I had about yoga is, uh, I think most of the time, like I'm, I'm someone that likes more like restorative yoga, like more like relaxing yoga and like holding the stretches a little longer. And then one time my wife and I went to, and you'll, you'll probably be familiar with them since you're from Austin, but went to uh, here in Houston, Black Swan Yoga uh, opened up a studio here. And so they did this big free outdoor thing and man, it kicked my ass. <laughs> <laughs> it kicked yeah. my, I was like, and I was looking around, I was like, I don't know any of these poses, but I was like, man, this is like, it's tough. It was a workout, you know, and, uh, and it was awesome. I really enjoyed it. So, That's a uh, misconception is that yoga can't be hard. You know, some, some people, especially like, you know, they're like, yeah. oh, yoga's for sissies. I'm like, I can put you through a yoga class that I promise yeah. that you will not be thinking it's easy. No, um, I mean, this thing, like, it was really, uh, it was tough. And it just like the flow, like, just kept speeding up and speeding up. And I'm like, all right, like, I think I'm going to have to just watch everyone for a minute because I'm you know it's, it really was killing me and it was it was great though I really enjoyed it so uh one thing I did want to bring up you know like me you love travel uh you're in Australia right now which which we didn't miss uh, mention to our our listeners w what has it been like to to travel a lot uh sober mm. It's been, I feel really, really blessed for it. I took my first trip about six months out. So I've wanted to travel my entire life. Like okay. my entire life I've dreamed about, I was, I was born in Oklahoma in a tiny little town in Oklahoma. And like, I was like, 
always thinking about all the places in the world and so always really wanting to travel and um you know i didn't leave the country until i got sober thankfully um but yeah, about six months in, and I remember I was working on a ship, on a cruise ship, and there were people drinking. And I remember being like, I couldn't believe that I was gone. Everyone was terrified that I have left the country. And, you know, I'm only six months sober. But I didn't want to drink. And it's like it really gave me this, this kind of like, you can have this or this. You can have this or this. It's like, oh, you can drink, or you could literally like, have the world you could mm. drink or you could have the world wow. so you know that first trip i was in the mediterranean all summer and then i was in thailand and in bali which wind up being a home of mine later on wow and it's like i just didn't realize how how much the addiction had gave me horse blinders not only on like my personal life but in terms of like what i envisioned for myself um the dreams that i had like how small that i was living Wow. Yeah. So that really solidified like even more like, like I'm doing this, like, cause I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I know that in order to travel and to, to live this life that I want to live, I can't drink. Hmm. Like that will be the one thing that will knock me, knock my knees out from under me. I, I want to ask, I, I, I get that. That's awesome. So it sounds like when you started to, to travel and travel sober, like it just, opened up your mind to a lot of different things, which I, I think I can relate to as well. Um, I do want to ask, so like, you know, and not to say like, we don't want to take people's suggestions and because I think that's important. Uh, but I do want to ask, like, were there people telling you not to go when you were six months sober? Like the, the reason oh. I asked is because, you know, like as I interview people and so I talk to more people, I think there, there are a lot of things that we think are, set in stone in terms of recovery, like rules, basically. And I think most of them are probably like pretty accurate, like certain things we should and shouldn't do for the most part. Um, but then there are other things like leaving the country six months sober. And it's like, yeah, you know, someone might say, oh, that's the worst idea. You're going to relapse, but you didn't. And you went mm -hmm. out and you found this awesome life. You know, I think that says a lot about, uh, well, being true to yourself, if anything, you know, um, I think that it's all personal. There are definitely people that were not, not excited about it. Yeah. In terms of um, what happened is that I was offered work and it was an opportunity that like, I couldn't, I couldn't pass up. Pass I up, couldn't yeah. pass up. I was a massage therapist already. Um, okay. And I was asked to come and do massage on a, on, um, on a cruise, like on a, on a cruise trip. Yeah. And then I was asked to go to Thailand to teach, to help assist teach Thai massage, which wow. are, are both things that I'd already, that I'd already done. And, um, they literally lined up like within a day of each other. Like I did the cruise the next, there were two separate things I was asked to do. It's okay. like okay. almost within the same week, two, wow. these two things popped up. They lined up like this and I haven't really stopped traveling since. It was really wild. It was serendipitous, but people didn't want me to go, but it completely, it completely shifted everything for me. It completely shifted everything. Whenever I was in like Thailand and Bali, especially Bali, that was the first place that I'd ever been where um, people were partying and nobody was using any substances. Wow. I was there for a month and nobody ever offered me a drink 
because nobody was drinking. Like I just, it blew my mind. So this is not the case on, um, on the coast in Bali. They're big party towns, but where I was teaching the retreat was in Ubud, Bali. And it's like a health and wellness, like mega center. And it, I just couldn't believe it. There's like yoga studios everywhere and meditation and everyone was dancing and like jungle parties and there was no alcohol. I'm like, who are you people? Wow. Like it was so bizarre, but just seeing a different way that people were living was such being able to see many different ways that people were living was such a, uh, so needed. Well, so I want to ask where, where is the favorite, favorite destination? Where's the best place you think you visited in, in your mind? What tops the list? Oh, it just depends on what I'm after. I really okay. love living in Bali, but Bali is incredible. Uh, it, it's absolutely beautiful. Some of my other favorites is I love Morocco, the aesthetics of Morocco. I, I don't think I could live there. I have some challenges, some, some kind of more of like the cultural challenges there, but aesthetically Morocco is incredible, incredible. I love uh, the Greek islands is are wonderful. Man, you're, you're naming all these spots that are on, <laughs> on my list. <laughs> haven't, haven't made it to any of these yet. And in Guatemala, you need to go to Guatemala. So There's I went there when I was yeah, super flight, young. Two and a half hours. Okay. From, from, Houston. from Houston. That's pretty quick. Yeah. That's pretty quick. Okay. Go awesome. to, go to uh, Lake Atitalan and Antigua. Oh, they're beautiful. So and yeah, so San Marcos, San Marcos is a little town at the lake and it's sim it's kind of has a similar vibe in terms of like, um, there's not, there, there's not like a, it's not like a big party scene or anything like that. Okay. More about health and wellness. Yeah. That sounds pretty awesome. Well, mm -hmm. so tell us a little bit about what's going on with your Emerge Recovery program. Mm, so this is something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. Yeah. I've been thinking about it for a long time and I'm finally getting it prepared. So it is an eight week online course and we'll, I, I've blended kind of uh, Buddhist philosophy, yoga philosophy, lots of different things. We'll be utilizing uh, mantras and mudras and there's asana classes, which is what we call the, the stretches or the postures okay, in yeah. yoga and um, lots of uh, self-inquiry. So there's really quite a bit going on. We'll have about three lives a week. Uh, some teaching and it'll be yeah community based it'll take about 20 people and we'll go through it together um over eight weeks that's awesome yeah wow. yeah that sounds really yeah cool. i'm really looking forward to it and it's just it's going to blend it's going to blend a lot of different things um a lot of different pull from a lot of different um philosophies because i feel like we're also unique and different things resonate with us. So mm -hmm. being able to offer a wide variety and that we pick pieces of to create our own, you know, personal recovery toolbox. I just really feel like when we get a little bit of empowerment in our, in our journey and our recovery, then we're able to really own that a bit more back to the back, going back to me and you both saying like, when we make the choice for ourselves, right. or whenever we made the choice for ourselves, the decision for ourselves how that shifted everything. So being able to kind of be more in control of how that happens. So hoping to give lots of information and lots of uh, practices that way. Yeah, for sure. No, that sounds awesome. And so would you say this is for, for any level of, of yogi beginners? 
anyone's welcome or who would you say this is best fit for? Yeah, I say that this is really open for this is really open for all levels and it was created that way as well. Okay. Um, the, the yoga, the actual like physical yoga is a quite a small component of it. So okay. there's just there's like a 30 minute class each week that mm. has that is based upon the theme. Um, so like week one is honesty. So there'll be like a thematic, um, the whole week would be thematic, but there would be like the 30 minute yoga class. There'd also be like a 30 minute meditation that week. And then we have some live calls and activities and things throughout the week, journal entries and, you That's know, different awesome. things for the, throughout the week. But the actual physical yoga is quite a small component of it, but we do kind of delve into mindfulness and self-inquiry, I would say is more, um, more the gist of it. So I really think if somebody who is curious about creating a deeper relationship with themselves and their recovery, and I think that this can be for people that are um, are more are, are newer to recovery. I think it could be for people who have been in recovery for a while and are yeah. maybe feeling a little stagnant mm. and wanting to revive it and explore a bit more. Sure. Because um, this goes way past just not drinking. Like we're really going to kind of dive in and really create more, more freedom. I'm still, I'm still going after that, that more freedom. Yeah. And, um, I think that there's always room to, to come a little closer to wholeness and yeah, there's no ceiling on like how, how free do you want to be? So love that. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, no. And, and I think right now, you know, especially like just when you said, maybe it's someone that's, that's been sober for a little while and they just want to mix things up you know, I feel like a lot of people are, are looking, especially with just like, I think we know what's going on in the world, the craziness going on in the world. You know, it's like, I think people are um, looking for something different, but also looking for a way to, like you said, get in touch with themselves, uh, get back to basics. And, and I would consider like some of the things you're talking about, although they may not be things that like, someone is familiar with, or even if it was some new stuff to me, um, it, they all sound like things that, that are kind of at the root once again of what recovery is all about, you know, and it sounds like something that could, seems like pretty much every like Zoom 12-step uh, meeting I've been in lately has about been about getting back to the basics. So I think that's like, just like drilled into my head right now. So maybe that's why that that came up, but I, I did want to ask, like, what is your recovery? I know yoga is a big part of it, but what does your recovery look like today? Like, how do you maintain and continue to grow in your sobriety? I think that, um, you know, I, I've really been exploring a lot of Buddhism lately, which has been a big piece. And the, the Buddhism and the mindfulness and the meditation have been really, have been really fascinating and um, really interesting to me. And I think meditation was something that I veered away from for a long time. I, on the other hand, you mentioned that you really like the restorative, like the chill yoga. I'm like, still it's challenging. It's much easier for me to like be throwing handstands and like, you know, doing, doing really fast, but for yeah. whenever I get still, it's like, what happens to my mind when my body gets still hmm. that, can, that can be really challenging where everything starts. Yeah. And that's something that I've been exploring a lot in, um, in meditation and seeing, and seeing what comes up. It's like our, our bodies are our bodies and our minds are always giving us messages on like where we can, where we can deepen 
deepen a bit more. And um, a big part of my recovery is staying connected to the community and, and talking about it and sharing about it. And um, I, I was prior work, getting to like work in more rehabs. Whenever I was traveling, I would go and like share my story in a treatment center when I travel. Oh, cool. Uh, different things like this. I was working at a prison in Bali wow. when I was there. Um, not doing that any at the moment here in Australia, but yeah, doing service work has been a really big, um, a really big piece of it, keeping it really relevant in my mind. Because hmm. even for someone who, even I can sometimes have the thought of, am I exaggerating? Like, was it that bad? Right. And right. I'm like, just slap yeah. myself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so keeping it relevant and present and like, you know, staying in it, staying in it's really important. Yeah. That, that's awesome. Yeah. No, I, I think that should like, I mean, that's, you know, if we're going to talk about a 12 step program, like that's, that's it right there is, is, uh, you know, carrying the message somehow. And I think, you know, I think it's, uh, an interesting deal because it's like, you know, I'm, I'm not that person anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and I don't, I don't have the same mindset of that person. And I don't want to continue to like, kind of box myself into where I used to be. But at the same time, I think like you're saying, like, it's important that I have that reminder, mm -hmm. um, you know, not like I want to go back there ever, but right. yeah, I think like just the way my mind works too, it's like, gosh, I, I don't want to say I've ever really said, was it really that bad? But you know, I've had kind of like, initially, normally what happens is it's like, I'll have one kind of crazy thought. And then thankfully the second thought, is acknowledging how crazy the first thought was. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I'm, I'm grateful for that for sure. So uh, before we wrap up here, I, I want to ask if there's one piece of advice uh, that you would like to share with the sober nation. I think one thing that all that I always that I think about often is that had somebody told me like, when I was first getting sober, like, what, what is it that you want? Like, what, what do you envision your life? Like, like anything, you could have anything. Um, I wouldn't have written it as good as it is. Like I wouldn't have, I would have sold myself short because I didn't even have the language for what I have now. Like I didn't even have the language. I didn't have the language at that time to to even describe like the full life that, that I have now, I would have sold myself so short. So I think it's very important to, to leave, to vision what it is that you're after, but leave room for, uh, for possibility and to realize that that addiction makes our world very small horse blinders and just being able to allow in possibility to allow in a bigger perspective and yet to be open to that shifting. I think it's just, it's so important that we can allow our filters and our perspectives to be, to be changed and to be continually open to, to learning and listening and, and welcoming, you know, what is possible. That's really awesome, man. I, I couldn't, you're speaking my language right there. Like I could not, <laughs> have put that any better. And, you know, it's funny because the most, uh, one of the most recent meetings I was in, like I kind of had the realization we were talking about control and the realization I had is that 
when I'm controlling things, because what you just described has been my experience. Like I would have been selling myself short big time. And like, I, I couldn't even have imagined the life that I have today. And, you know, when I'm, when I'm controlling things, it's with the, the mindset that my outcome is the best outcome. Mm-hmm. And that has not been the case. <laughs> like when I stop controlling things, like a lot of times, like something way better happens that, you know, that I couldn't even have imagined. So I, I really love that. And I definitely appreciate the, the advice mm-hmm. to stay open-minded. I think that's just, it doesn't matter how long we've been sober, how old we are, what we think we know. Um, there's, there's always room to grow and, and room for improvement. So uh, you can learn more about Cole by visiting colechanceyoga.com. Thanks again for coming on the show, Cole. Oh, thanks for having me. Thanks for having me. Be sure to check out the show notes for all the info from today's episode. Sober Nation FM is brought to you by Sobriety Engine. Sobriety Engine is a free online community of men and women supporting each other in their recovery. Visit sobrietyengine.com to join today. This show is also brought to you by Recover Health. If you're ready to get fit and start living a healthier lifestyle while supporting your sobriety, you can learn more about having me as your own personal fitness and nutrition coach at rcvrhealth.com. And again, whether you're listening to the show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or watching on YouTube, please share this with your friends, follow, subscribe, and leave us a review. Nation, thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you next time.